Welcome to Talks with Trivium. My name is Michelle Schaller. I'm the Senior Director of Behavioral Health at Trivium Life Services. We have locations in Iowa, Nebraska, Idaho, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Services vary by location and include behavioral health and long-term support services. Our goal in Talks with Trivium is to introduce you to some of those services and the people providing them. We'll discuss topics related to mental health and seek to continue to normalize mental health as a component of overall health. All right, welcome back to Talks with Trivium. My name is Michelle Schaller, Senior Director with Trivium Life Services, and I am joined by my new co-host for this round, Amy McKenzie. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Super excited to get to explore another line of service offered by Trivium. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do, all the good stuff. All the good things. So my name is Amy McKenzie, and I am located at our Idaho offices. So I'm actually in Boise, Idaho, and I am the clinical director of our Boise location. So what that means is I oversee all of the operations and clinical things on site in Boise. What do you do in Boise? What do you guys specialize in there? We specialize in substance use and behavioral health. So we have several different levels of care here and we really focus on substance use, mental health, and trauma. And I know we have you know, a continuum of care based out of Boise and in Caldwell, Idaho as well. Tell me about the services that are available there. So at the Boise location, we have several different services. So when you talk about continuity of care, continuum of care, we look at the ACM levels of care. And ACM stands for the American Society of Addiction Medicine, and they actually govern standards of care. So at Boise, we offer outpatient, which is somebody who's got some stuff going on, but maybe not super severe, and they're going to be doing eight or less group hours a week. From there, we step into intensive outpatient. And so they've got a little bit more going on. Maybe they tried treatment before and it didn't work. And so they're going to go to night or more group hours a week. And then from there, we go into our partial hospitalization program. And I'm betting that you're hearing the word hospital and thinking, what is that? That doesn't sound like all of the others. And you're right. So when we look at partial hospitalization, that's not actually a hospital involved. I'm not sure why they call it that when there is no hospital involved. (laughs) You know, it's just to make it confusing. But what we're looking at is people are going to be here about eight hours a day, five days a week. They get group therapy, they go out to the community and go to meetings together, they do art therapy, they do yoga. And then we also do drug and alcohol education at our location as well. We have medication management. And so we have a doctor and a nurse practitioner on staff. And so we can do mental health medications. They can order labs and help connect them with a primary care physician in the community. And then we also do MAT treatment. And so MAT stands for medication-assisted therapy. And so we do Suboxone, which is used to treat opioid addiction. Amy, tell me a little bit about your educational background, what licensure you have, what qualifies you to work with this population? Yeah, so I have a master's degree in counseling from Boise State. I graduated in 2019. I've actually been at Trivium since Before that, August of 2018, I started my internship here, so I've been here about five years now. 
My credentials, I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor, so that's known as an LCPC. And so what that means is I got my initial licensure and then I completed an additional 2,000 hours of clinical client work and supervision and took another test and got that licensure. And then I'm also an ACADC, which is an Advanced Certified Alcohol and Drug Counselor. And so what that is, is I have an additional specialty in working with addiction and substance use. And then I'm currently in an MBA program in healthcare leadership because in order to be the director, I needed to have a little bit more of an understanding of the operation side and the finance and how all of that system delivery works. And so I'm currently enrolled in that program. Very cool. We never stop learning, do we? Never stop learning. And I'm kind of a... I'm kind of a glutton for punishment when it comes to taking <laughs> on new tasks and new degrees and new credentials. I am always looking at what else could I learn more about and add all those letters to my alphabet suit behind my name in hopes that it would better help me serve my staff and the population that we work with. Absolutely. And I appreciate that about you so much. I know most people in the general population have a basic understanding of what psych med management is or is what, what a psychiatrist do, but I don't think many people realize how medication management or MAT services fit into substance use disorder treatment. I'm super interested to hear more about that. Is that something that you see the majority of people in treatment being active in or participating in, or how does that work? Yeah, so there are some rules that govern that. So people in certain levels of care have to see a provider within a certain period of time, depending on their funding source. And then it's one of those things that if people are interested in it, we're going to get them involved. I'm going to talk to them about it. There's a lot that can be done in individual therapy and in group therapy and one-on-one or with case management. And then there's just some times that you might need a little bit more. And that's when I might refer and be like, hey, I think you might need to talk to one of our med providers, right? In my field, meds are out of my scope. So I can't tell somebody you need X med. But what I can say is, hey, I think you might need a little bit something more. And when I explain med management to them, a lot of people are scared. I don't want to take meds. I don't want to be reliant on meds. I don't want to have to take something every day just to be like normal. And so what I explained to them is, if you broke your arm, you could baby it and hope not to bump it, and eventually it would heal. Or you can go to the doctor and you can get a cast, and it heals faster and more effectively, and there's less catastrophic damage. And sometimes you just need a little bit of a cast for your brain, and that's where med management comes in to help. That's a great explanation. I really appreciate that, Amy. So substance use disorders, that's a term that may or may not be familiar to people just, you know, casually listening to our podcast or who don't work directly with SUD. What did they used to call it? And what do most people call it if they're not receiving or providing services? That's a great question. So what it's actually referred to commonly is an addiction. Yeah. Uh, Clinically, what we look at is is the use disorder. And so what a substance use disorder is, is it's a mental disorder that affects somebody's brain and their behaviors. It leads to this inability to control their use of substances, whether or not they're legal, right? Like a substance use disorder could be alcohol. It could be marijuana, depending on where you live. It could be opiates. It could be anything. 
And it's commonly referred to, like I said, as an addiction. A lot of times there's thinking errors that are involved. And when you have a substance use disorder, there's changes in the brain structure and functioning. A lot of the results are changes in areas of the brain that control judgment, decision-making, learning, memory, behavior control. And the best way that I can explain what addiction is to maybe somebody who isn't working in the field is something that I actually heard in undergrad, and it's the pickle example. So if you have a cucumber and you put it in brine and you take it out, it's still a cucumber. The longer you put it in brine over a longer period of time, it will eventually become a pickle and now it can't be a cucumber ever again. So once your brain has crossed that threshold and it's become where it's like a use disorder or quote addiction, you're always going to have that. You're always going to be working in recovery. That's kind of overwhelming to think once you're a pickle, you can't go back. It is. You kind of don't like it. It is. It's it's daunting, right? And I explain it to clients and I've had a lot of them kind of look at me with a little bit of the same response of like, what? You mean I, it's always going to be this way? And it's like, yeah, it's always going to be this way. And I think there's some relief in hearing that as well, because people have, on average, there's seven attempts at treatment before long-lasting sobriety, on average. And I think some people go into this and they're like, it's going to be just fine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to white knuckle it. It's going to be great. And I'm never going to have this problem again. And then they've continued to struggle. And if I can explain why that struggle is there and why willpower alone isn't enough, it's validating and it makes them feel seen and heard and they can understand what's going on with themselves. And then we can also take the steps to move forward on how are we going to keep this will affecting you forever. Right. If you are forever changed, right, how do you function in a world that's built for people who don't think and operate the way that you do? Exactly. And I can help them get those skills and tools. Once we have an understanding, um, it actually goes to this DBT skill called radical acceptance, which when I teach it, it's kind of the, it is what it is skill. I have to accept that this is what it is, that this is what is going on in my life in order to be able to figure out, like you were saying, Michelle, like how am I going to live in this world that a lot of people don't understand what I'm dealing with? How am I going to move forward? How am I going to be successful and effective and have the things that I want if I don't have an understanding of what I'm dealing with? So for somebody who, you know, maybe started off experimenting with substances, whether it's alcohol or drugs, and now they're starting to, you know, maybe get feedback from loved ones or family members that it's problematic and that thought hasn't really occurred to them yet. How do you differentiate between somebody who who's experimenting versus somebody where they need some sort of intervention or service? It's a difficult question to answer, Michelle. I think if we look at this, it's different for everybody. Like if you look at the very basis definition of an addiction, it's continuing to do something despite negative consequences. And so I really think that that's where Trivium excels is we have an approach that is tailored to each person. And so like you're saying, maybe somebody comes in and they're like, I don't know if I have a problem. My family seems to think I do. I've got, you know, maybe these legal charges, but I've never been in trouble before or, you know, I've been using and it's affecting my work. We can look at the individual person and come up with what's going to fit them, no matter where they're at in 
their use. How does abstinence or sobriety fit into your treatment model? Is that a requirement to participate in services? It is not a requirement to participate in services. Um, We actually, if you look at the stages of change, the very final stage of change is relapse or recycling. So we understand that addiction, like I said, it's a lifelong thing. And if you have difficulties or you lapse or you relapse, we're not going to give up on you. And this is because, one, we understand the nature of addiction. And two, Trivium Life Services operates on a harm reduction approach. And so with harm reduction, what that is, is we are just reducing harm. We are trying to keep people alive long enough for sobriety or meet their where they're at in recovery. And if that means that somebody's having a rough time and they relapse and meet with them and it's like, hey, let's figure out how to get back on track. What do you need? What happened? Were there some triggers that maybe we didn't know? We're going to do that. I love that. I, As you know, I've been um, doing research and really digging into trying to understand what harm reduction is and really integrate that into our programs and, and model. And one of the most important tenets of harm reduction is is the non-judgmental approach and meeting people where they're at. And I I've never had exposure to programs based on harm reduction prior to your line of services within Trivium. Our harm reduction manager, Amber, she takes our harm reduction materials and she goes down into the community and she hands out supplies and gives information about treatment and just works on building connection with those in the community. And we've actually had some come in. That's so exciting. I did get the opportunity to go and do some outreach with Amber a couple trips ago um, when I was visiting in Boise. And it was an awesome experience just to get out and meet people and get to talk with them a little bit about the services that you have there. It's really cool because I think a lot of times people don't access those individuals and they don't talk to them. They don't go down and share their experience. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, if they want help, they'll come to me. They'll come in here. And sometimes you just have to take it to them and let them know, like, we see you, we hear you, we're here for you. What do you need? We hand out winter coats and hand warmers and gloves. Uh, We had some blankets and sleeping bags to hand out as well. And all of it goes along with that harm reduction. And like you said, that non-judgmental approach and just really meeting people where they're at and seeing them as humans and humans that are deserving of having the life that they want. And having seen her firsthand in that setting, Amber does such a phenomenal job connecting and reconnecting with the same um, people. You know, obviously she's going to the same sites and spending that time showing up on a consistent basis. I can see the recognition and people are looking forward to um, her visits and knowing that if and when they are ready, they have her phone number, they know how to get in touch with us and how to access services quickly. Yeah, she's a she's a pretty phenomenal human just in general and the way that she builds kind of instant rapport with people. And then like you said, she remembers them and they remember her. And so they know that when they're ready or if they have questions or if they're scared, they can reach out to her and she'll help guide them through the process. Well, I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about the different programs that we offer. I know we're going to get to visit um, with some members of your leadership team as well as a client. So super looking forward to that. Just want to say I am so proud of you and the work that you guys do every single day. And here's to the next podcast, right? We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great, Amy. Take care. You too. 
You can find more information in our episode notes about Trivium Life Services, services we provide, and additional resources specific to this episode. You can find us at www.triviumlifeservices.org. Trivium is spelled T-R-I-V-I-U-M.